right. Good morning, everybody. Whoa, we shaved. It's all gone. It's always funny how nobody ever notices you shave unless you had a beard, and then you shave. If you just shave normally, nobody's like, whoa, he shaved. It's only when, when you have something and, and you take it away. Go ahead and turn to Acts 13. Uh, we're continuing our study on making a difference. And last week we looked at what made a difference. What, what did we look at? Prayer, correct. Good, we had somebody. Somebody listened. Uh, Acts 13. Uh, so this week we're looking at missions. Obviously, missions is a very big part of uh, what Christ finished uh, or I shouldn't say finished, but started when he, before he uh, ascended back into heaven. Uh, and there's two important things that we see here in the first missionary journey, the first missions uh, essentially sent out uh, that we see here in the first church. And the first is that uh, it's a responsibility. Uh, God did not make it something that if you uh, feel like it, uh, if, if you like to go talk to people, if you uh, are somebody that is a people person. Uh, missions is not something that is set aside just for those that are going to a foreign field. Missions are, is something that every single Christian is commanded to do. It's, it's not something that uh, Jesus even uh, suggested. Uh, it's not something that Jesus asked nicely. It's, it's a commandment that we are supposed to be missionaries. Uh, at my church that I grew up in, on the back, uh, we had windows kind of above the doors. And on every single one of those, it said, you are now entering the mission field. And that's true. It, it, we think of, you know, going to India as a missionary. And we think of going to uh, uh, Belize or going to a foreign country. And that's being a missionary. But truthfully, when you leave this building, even technically in this building, that's our mission field. God didn't call us, not every single person did God call to go to a foreign country, but he did call you here where you live to be a missionary. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. It's not just for missionaries as the title, like full-time missionary. It's not just for them. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses against them, and hath committed unto them, unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So the question is, are you going to be a missionary that goes to another country? Or are you going to be a missionary here in your own, I don't say your own world, but your own uh, section of life, in your own personal life? Are you being a missionary? And that's what we're going to look at is uh, the, the strategies, the uh, different things we see here in the first church, in the first missionaries uh, that are sent out. Uh, what made them different? Uh, what, why did God call Paul and Barnabas? Why, why did the Spirit say, set aside Paul and Barnabas? Why didn't he say, set aside Peter 
or, or John or any number of the people could have been set aside to be full-time missionaries. But God chose Paul and Barnabas for a reason. And we're going to look at that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this morning, for being able to be in your house. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you for allowing us to have a day to set aside, to, uh, to recharge, to uh, get away from this world, and really uh, to focus on you, uh, Lord, and not just um, something that we need to do, but be able to set aside and, and, and really lift you up. Lord, I pray that it's not just something that we do on Sunday. I pray that uh, this, our Bibles aren't only opened on Sunday, but uh, Lord, I pray that you be lifted up, that your name be glorified through what happens here today. I pray that you help me with uh, this lesson, and I pray that you get all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the first thing that we see here is the characters of being a missionary, that these missionaries possess. Go ahead and you're there. Uh, Acts 13, we'll start in verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manon, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they have fasted and prayed... And laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. The first thing that we see that Paul and Barnabas, the first characteristics, is they were faithful. Uh, God, and I think I've said this before, God's never going to call. If you're worried about, I don't want to be a missionary, I don't want to go to India, I can't stand the heat. Uh, what missionary, we had a missionary that came in that talked about, he didn't like the cold, and where did he get sent? God, God sent him to, I think it was Iceland. I think that was the, the Shavers. Um, or was it the Smiths to Estonia? One of the two. Cold places, either way. Uh, either, both places I wouldn't want to go for freezing temperatures. But we, we always think about, man, I don't want to go to Africa and live in the hut or go to a third world country. I, you know, call me to Fiji. Well, that might not be too bad. I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, coconuts outside, nice sunny day, and no uh, hurricanes, you know. I guess you've got to have some bad with the good everywhere. <laughs> but the, the point is, God's not going to call you to be a foreign missionary if you're not a missionary here. And God's not going to be calling you to be a missionary somewhere if you're not willing and a, a vessel fit to be able to be entrusted to be a missionary in another country. Uh, we, we talk or we hear a lot of, you know, these, some of these missionaries, quote unquote, that go and they just see it as, you know, a paid vacation. Uh, they, they go, you know, they, they do the whole deputation and raise support and, and they sound really good and they go and then they realize, wow, this is a lot of work. Uh, this is, whew, uh, I think it's easier if I would just have a normal eight to five job than trying to deal with what a missionary has to deal with out here all by myself, trying to figure this out. And, well, what, I don't have to do things. I can, uh, they, they talked about in Belize, other missionaries come to that church to take photos to say, look what we're doing. And it's not even their church. Being faithful in the church 
is important characteristic because when you go away, it's not going to get easier. Uh, it's not, sorry, Nitin, but it's not going to be easy when you get over to India to just, all right, we're just going to start a church and get going. Even though you have a, a good group of people already started there, it's going to be harder there than it is here. It's not something that is going to be easier once you start working for God. But not only in India, here in your own little area, you have to be found faithful. The, the Bible there says, the first verse, Now there were in the church. Where did you find Paul and Barnabas? They were in the church. They, they weren't, yeah, it's Sunday, 10 o'clock, yeah. I can sleep in a little. I'll just, I'll make it for morning service. I don't need to come for Sunday school. That, that wasn't who the Holy Spirit said separate. If, if your name was drawn, you know, they, they have those, I don't have a basket, but you know, they have those raffles and you put your name in the hat and stuff and they say, well, you got to be here to, to win it. And they pull your name and, and you're not even here. Could you imagine what, what would have happened if, if the Holy Spirit would separate me, Paul, and Barnabas? Oh, hey, where's Paul? Maybe he's in the bathroom. Barnabas. Where was Barnabas? I, I don't know where he went. Uh, usually he's here. I mean, he misses here and there, but usually he's here. No, they were faithful in church. Not only were they there in church, but we see that uh, they were fasting and praying. There, you see in verse uh, 3, and when they had fasted and prayed, characteristics of a missionary have to, like I said last week, be plugged into the power source. Again, it's hard when you get over to the mission field. It's hard here for you as missionaries in our own life to talk to others. And if we try to do it in our own strength, in our own power, we're never going to be accomplished. We're never going to accomplish what the Lord wants us to do. We have to be plugged into that source. And the only way to do that, we see there in verse 2 and 3, is they prayed and they fasted. They, they were praying about it, knowing that where my power comes to do this and to make the right decisions and to start this correctly, I have to talk to the one that's sending me but not only that, they fasted. Why, why, why throughout the Bible does it always talk about prayer and fasting? It always seems like those two things always go together. One, prayer, obviously you're talking to God. You're talking to the one that owns it all, the one that is the one that able to make the decisions or be able to uh, you know, answer your prayer, uh, the one that's able to do something about it, the God that owns the universe. And we talked last week that you you want to show that you're meaningful in your prayer request, is you don't just pray once and go, okay, I guess I'll just wait. God wants to know that you really want this, but fasting is a part of that. Fasting is your body being put under subjection to show the Lord that you mean business. Not only when, when you fast, we think, okay, well, I'm just not going to eat. It's not just physically eating, it's it's changing what you're doing. So instead of eating, you're going to fast and pray. You're showing to the Lord that my own necessities, your physical need for your substance of eating, of 
you know, basic, you know, keeping yourself alive kind of idea is not as important as talking to you about said subject. That's why fasting always goes with praying. Uh, and we see that these men were, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas. Okay, well, we, what do we need to do? We need to pray and fast about this. We need to make sure we understand why, where we're going, what we're supposed to do. I mean, it almost reminds me of when God told Abraham, okay, go to a far country that I'll show you. Okay, Lord, uh, is there a pillar? Am I following a, a pillar of fire? Am I following a smoke pillar like the Israelites? No, he, he had to trust God and just be in prayer talking with God for God to show him. How does God lead you into wherever you're supposed to be going in your life, in, in missions, in, in just anything? It doesn't work by not talking to him and not praying and reading your Bible. You're, you're never going to be led that way. You, God gave you an instruction manual, gave you a guidebook. Uh, the, the, uh, I don't know if they still use it, but in Boy Scouts, they have a guidebook. They don't give you a guidebook just for, yeah, you know, yeah, it's fun, just in case you get tired or you're not really sleepy and you're in the middle of the woods, you can read something so you can fall asleep to something. It's a guidebook to give you how to live, how to survive in the Boy Scouts. That's what this is. This is our guidebook. This is how we survive in this life. And the Bible talks about these men were not just faithful in church. They weren't just praying and fasting. They were filled with the Spirit. And being in this book is how you were filled with the Spirit. Look there, verse 4. For they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost... You know, as they weren't sent on their own time, they weren't sent by themselves, they weren't sent by the church. They were sent by the Holy Ghost, by His Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How do, you, how do you be filled with the Spirit? Well, just like if you have a cup full of, I don't know, juice, and you want to have water in it. How do you get water in it? You dump the juice out, and then you fill it up with water. To be filled with the Spirit, you have to get rid of the sin, get rid of the pride, get rid of yourself so that you can put in the Spirit, that you pray for His control. And once you are filled with the Spirit, and we talked about this the last uh, group of lessons that I did, how does somebody know that you have the Spirit? How, how do you know that you're filled with the Spirit? And how do you know you're walking with the Spirit? By the fruit. By the fruit that you bear. The fruit of the Spirit. You know that you're filled with the Spirit if you are being able to bear those fruits. Because without having the Spirit, you can't bear those fruits. So they, those were the characteristics of what we see in these early Christians of the missionaries. They, they were faithful in church. They were faithful in praying and fasting, and they were filled with the Spirit. But then we go, okay, so what do they do? Where, where did they go? You're there, uh, look at verse, starting verse 5. And when they were at Salmis, 
They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Berjesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Polyus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the sorcerer, for he, so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O, f said, o full of all sub subtlety and all mischiefs, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the, the hand. Then the deputy, when he had saw what was done, believed, because being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returning to Jerusalem. So the first place they go is Salmis, uh, just an island right off by Cyprus. Uh, and, and really, this is where they start. This is their first uh, get the ground running, essentially. They, this is their first place they start by preaching and going to the Jews and charting a church there. Uh, and we see the first part is... Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. We see the purpose of why they're going. Uh, we don't read about Paul and Barnabas first landing and going, all right, let's go see... I don't know, is there a, a, a fancy touristy place to go look at? Uh, let's, go, let's go look at the biggest ball of yarn over here. I heard that was really fun to look at. And we've got to get the t-shirt that says that we've been here. The first thing they do is they go to the synagogue and start preaching. That, that, this starts, they always say if you don't start on the right foot, you kind of fall. You, start, you run like Charlie and you first, first step. And you, you start tripping and everything. Maybe that's where he gets it from. Um, if you don't start on the right foot, you're not going to be able to run that race. That first step is very important. And they show in this early missionary journey that their first step was to do their job. Just like us as Christians here in your workplace, when you first walk into a new job or you've been there for a while, how do you start your day? there at work. When somebody comes and asks you Monday, hey, how was your weekend? Do you start it off by talking about all the fun things and all the, you know, we didn't have rain and we didn't have to we deal with all the windstorms and, you know, I did this to the house and I did that and I did this. Do you ever mention anything about Sunday? It's interesting when, when you talk to somebody about their weekend, the only day that they talk about is Saturday. They never talk about Sunday. 
They never, you never really hear somebody go, oh, we had a great Lord's Day yesterday. Or you should, we had some people saved yesterday. It was, why is that? Why, why is the weekend not including Sunday? And why do we talk about a good weekend talks about all the things that we were able to get done and, and everything we were able to, you know, we went bowling. We went mini-golfing last weekend. Well, what about Sunday? Oh, yeah, I mean, I went to church. We don't really talk about Sunday, but we need to start off with the right foot and realizing Sunday isn't just a day I can just, okay, yep, I got it. I went to church, check mark, got it done, off my list, and then I forget everything about it come Monday. What we learn about should stick with us personally, but we should be able to say something to somebody else. If something touches you in the messages, don't you think that should be something that when somebody asks you how did your weekend go, let me tell you about something. God showed me this. Because, oh, wait, time out, we're at work, we can't talk. No, they asked you what your weekend was about. They asked you, hey, how'd your weekend go? Well, sorry, you opened the door. I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to put the first foot through. And that's what we see here is these first missionary, these Christians, they started off doing the work. The second place they go, they, they go to six different places. Paphos, we won't read uh, verse 6 through 7. Uh, and when they had gone through the isle of, unto Paphos, they found a sorcerer, a false name, who, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. And, and they go dealing with this sorceress that is trying to stop them from getting to uh, this, uh, I was going to call him a publican, but he's not a publican, uh, the deputy, uh, who, who calls for Paul and Barnabas. That he wants to know about what, what is this whole religious thing? What is this Jesus that we're, you're talking about? And, and we see here kind of the, the insight of from this specific place uh, that we see here is problems. Uh, just because you started out right doesn't mean you're not going to fall into problems. And, and truthfully, if, if you're doing what's right, Satan's going to do something to stop you. If, if you want to know, am I on the right path? Am I doing what the Lord wants me to do? How much opposition do you have? Because if it's smooth sailing and there's no issues and you don't, nobody has anything. I don't have any problems with those that I work with. I don't have any oppositions. From the examples in the Word of God, it says you better check and make sure you're walking the right way or you're talking the right way. Because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. This world's not our friend. It's our enemy and the fact of the matter is, is if you're not getting fought, that means the enemy's comfortable with you. They're, you know, he's the sleeping giant idea. Doesn't bother me that you're a Christian. Satan doesn't have a problem with you being a Christian. Obviously, he can't, he can't get you. It, your, your soul is saved and sealed, and you're going to heaven, so he can't, he can't get you back. But if you're not doing anything for God, he, why waste my time? If the tallest guy on the basketball team is sitting on the sidelines, I'm not really worried about them dunking, that specific guy. 
I'm not the height guy, if you haven't noticed. I, I, was, I was born vertically challenged. Uh, I didn't get the really tall genes. Sad thing is I'm the tallest one in my family, but uh, so there were no genes to give me, I don't think. But the idea is I'm not worried about the guy that's sitting on the sideline as, as uh, you know, if I'm on the opposite team and I see this giant of a guy walking in when we walk in first to play basketball. Oh, here we go. This will be fun. I'm going to get it all, jump all over top of me for this one. And then we start, and I see him sitting on the sideline. I ain't worried about him. Well, he's sitting. When he sits, I'm, I'm probably taller than him. That's how Satan in this world sees us Christians. If you're sitting on the sideline, why fight you? Because a lot of people, if you just like Japan found out with us in World War II, if you're sitting on the sideline, let them sit. Because if you try to pick a fight, they wake up. And then Japan had a little bit of a problem when they attacked Pearl Harbor. If they would have just left America just to be, we don't know. Might have been a lot of different ending of the war. Satan knows that. So when you're doing God's work, how do you know that? You're getting fought. You're getting opposition. You're, you're having to deal with circumstances. And Paul and Barnabas, right off the bat, see that. So they moved to Antioch, verse 14. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Poseidon and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Again, what did they do first? They went to the synagogue, the heart of uh, Paul's missionary journeys was giving the gospel. His whole point of going to these different cities was to tell them about Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.21 says, For after that in the wisdom of God that the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. How does God get anyone saved? How does Christ get his gospel out? He uses us. And the Bible says, by the foolishness of preaching, to save them that believe. Listen, it, it's, it's faith. It, it has to be by faith, because if it's not by faith, it doesn't make sense. But it has to be by faith. It has to be by us doing our job. And Paul and Barnabas knew and realized what did it take for them to get saved. We need to do the same thing. Uh, preaching is how missions got, got started. And that's how you get out here to talking to your friends. You don't have to preach to them necessarily. You don't have to you know, bring up a sermon outline and hold on, time out. But giving the gospel is the point of what missions is all about. It's, yeah, it's nice to go to Belize and, and help build a church or help build a school or, or dig a well for water or, or help uh, health. You know, they have these traveling health nurses and they go somewhere and they set up a, a, a big tent and have you know, all these people come in. But if that's all it is, that's not a biblical mission. Missions is dealing with the heart, the soul, dealing with the gospel. And if, if those things, all they do is never tell anybody about Christ, 
They're workers of iniquity, is what the Lord says. It's, it's nothing for me. Great, I'm glad you dug a well to help somebody, but did you tell them, tell them about Christ? You use those things to give them the gospel. Then they go to Iconium, verse 1 of chapter 14. We're scooting right along. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. Great. We're starting out right. This is, this is like you walk in and just like Pentecost where Peter preaches and 5,000 get saved. And it's like, yeah, this is the way. I, I like this idea. You, you want to go Saturday and door knocking and every single door you answer the door, every single one of them, I'm looking for a church. Every single one of them comes on Sunday. That, that's great. And then there's verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. What do we see happens in there in Iconium? You get the good and the bad. There's always going to be opposition everywhere you go. Not just to India, not just to foreign fields. It's going to have oppositions here. When you go door knocking, knock on a door. Seems like nobody really likes the idea of somebody knocking on the door today. Because uh, uh, sadly, most of the people that knock on your door aren't somebody that you want to talk to. Because usually the people that you want to come call you. Maybe we should get like phone numbers and call, and maybe that will work better. But knocking on doors. Some people aren't always the nicest people in the world. and Some people aren't always the most awake people in the world. So they're make, they make them grumpy. You, know, you knock on the door, you think 10 o'clock is 10.30, should be up by then, should be awake. Not all the time. But you get some people that you stand there and you talk to them, and, and it's great to talk with them. And, and they're, the spirit about them, they're already saved. They go to another church. They're really excited about having a church that's around going and door knocking. Man, I wish we, we used to do that kind of thing. I wish we still did that. And you have a good conversation, and it always seems like the next door you knock on, either nobody's home or they come, what do you want? Right, well, just went from that high note to this one. This is fun. Well, that's how the work of God is. It, you, you don't, you can't win every single one. And, and the Bible is full of showing that, not, not because he wants you to realize that, you know, oh, well, whatever. But I'll tell you what, what's very discouraging. When we started this church and handed out 5,000 25,000 John and Romans and invitations and everything to our starting this church. And that Sunday we opened the, well, we were at the hotel and we got everything ready. And maybe they didn't see the sign out front. Where, where is anybody? 25,000. Even if we get a 1%, nobody. Nope, not, not, not one thing. And you talk about discouraging? You talk about all the hours and hours and hours you spent knocking and putting flyers on doors and knocking and giving 25,000 flyers out. 
and not one person shows up. That, that'll, that'll put you in check real quick. And God is, is showing you in these, these specifics, missionary journeys, that, hey, listen, you're not going to win them all. It's not the point of winning them all. The point is you obeying and doing it. And that's what knocking on doors, I, I, I truly believe that God still has not changed the way he saves people, still does not change the idea of two by two going door to door. Does it work very well today? No. But God wants you to obey him. God wants to see that you're doing your job. Lord, I, I don't know why, I, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm going to do what you said to do. I'm going to trust you. Because I, I believe that the doors that you knock on, that nobody answers, that nobody's home, the person that shows up the next Sunday may not even been on the same street or the neighborhood, but because you were faithful and obeyed, God provided a different way. That's how God works. Uh, I was going to go somewhere else, but I don't remember where I was going. Anyways, Lystra and Derby, they, they, we see persecutions. Uh, we see in Lystra, there, verse 8 of 14. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, so with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped up and walked. Uh, I'm trying to see what verse. Again, somebody gets healed, running around, never been able to walk. Uh, but we look at verse 19. Same same place, same place. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he is, supposing he had been dead. You just healed a man. Again, mountaintop. Woohoo! Man, look what God's doing. Next thing you know, they're stoning him. Not, not putting him in jail, not, not beating him up till he knew what was good for him. Stoned him. And the only reason they stopped is because they figured he was dead. Then they go to Derby, verse 20, and we see uh, the, the pattern of Paul and Barnabas preaching and taught not just... Uh, uh, missionaries they, they go to start a church and so you have to obviously have get people saved to start a church or find those that are, are to start the church but then once you start the church and you continue to preach you have to teach you you have to grow these acts 28 31 says preaching the kingdom of god and teaching those things which concern the lord jesus with all confidence no man forbidding him the we see that their, their point of we're going and telling the gospel, we're starting a church, and then we're teaching the same thing at each one of these places. The last thing is the missionaries 
that the churches, the churches that these missionaries established. And I just talked about, they taught the new believers. They didn't just, yay, you got saved. All right, see ya. We're going to the next city. No, they, they stayed there. They, they grew that body of new believers into a church and, and grew them up to be able to support themselves. Like Pastor Whitaker, that they went down to Belize. That was, that's the point of a missionary. A missionary is not to go start a church and become their pastor. And now I'm, I'm the new pastor here at whatever church that I started. That's not a missionary. A missionary is going, getting people saved, starting a church, teaching them to be able to be self-sufficient, and then turning it over to a uh, uh, what are they, uh, national that becomes the pastor, and then that missionary moves to the next place and does the same thing, and moves to the next place and does the same thing. That, that's what a missionary's job is to do. And us as Christians that aren't going to India, aren't going to Belize, aren't going to these places, our job is to not go into our place of work, we'll say, and, and, we, and we tell others about Christ. And then we become their, their only source of teaching, their only source of, of Christ. You are supposed to help and point people to Christ and then point them to the church that they can grow in. That's, that's what I, I take from being a missionary as here in your own place. You're, you're not supposed to be your co-worker's pastor. You might have helped them and pointed them to Christ, and you might have been able to even see them get saved by what you said, but you're not supposed to be their pastor. You, the, end, the job doesn't just end right there. Okay, I got knit and saved. I'm done. No, now I want to see knit and get in, plugged into a church that can, he can grow and he can minister and be found faithful in church. It's not my job just to stay with one person and and be their person, and be their pastor, and, and that's all they get is me. Just like when a missionary goes to a, a new place, they start the church, they get it going, and then they turn it over and move to another place. They, they teach, they trained the, the pastors there that they were able to give back the church to, essentially. But then once they got through all these different places, I, I pretty pretty felt like, all right, well, we got, we did good. Which way's home? No, they, they went back through the same places that they just got kicked out of, stoned at, yelled at, ran off from. They went back through those, those places. Verse uh, 26 through uh, 28, and thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been re recommended by the, to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they had come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened their door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. They went to each church back that they had started to make sure they were trained. And I, I used the wrong verse. Um, see the verse, but they go back through the churches that they established to make sure, A, that they're doing okay, that B, because there's, you, you read in other books that Paul writes to the churches, hey, 
watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. I've heard about what's happening in your church. Don't watch out for this. Because just like a kid, you, you teach them how to do right and you just let them go. No, you have to keep up on them and make sure they're doing right and it continues. Same thing as these missionaries did. And, and the verses that we just read tell about when they got back to Jerusalem, back to Antioch. They told about what the Lord had done through them on their missionary journey to the church that sent them. And that's, that's where we get the whole idea of a furlough. A missionary comes back to those that, and he goes to the churches that support him and tells them in person, usually, what the Lord did for him. What, what, what has God accomplished in the time that they've been in said places? 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's the mindset we have to have. We're just a vessel. We have to be a vessel fit for use. Uh, if you've got a pot that has a hole in the bottom of it, not really working too well. Not really fit for its use of being a pot to boil water. If the hole was in the bottom instead of the top, not really going to be useful for me. So we have to be a vessel fit for use, but then we have to realize we're just a vessel. Uh, you talk about Billy Graham or these big no-name uh, preachers or, or evangelists or missionaries. Their job was not to make my name something, and they knew that. You, you talk about Jim Elliott. He didn't go there to try to make a name for himself, to, to be, I'm going to be a, a martyred missionary, so my name gets told every. No. He was just being a vessel to be used, and the power was not in him or anything he did. Right. It was just like uh, the Burmese uh, missionary. Judson never saw anybody. Uh, saw one saved but never saw anything happen and died. But he wasn't worried about him or his name. But what happened afterwards? The country exploded. The country became something, a huge mission field because of what he had done. But he didn't do it because of what he did. It did it because of he knew he was plugged into the source and he knew the source of where his power was coming from. And we have to realize that as we go through our work, as we go through today, we're not the ones, oh, look at me, I'm telling this person about Christ. It's not me, it's him. He's got to get the glory. He's got to be what I tell people about. Not me. Let's pray and we'll get in before they bust the doors down. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you again for uh, your word and what uh, instructions and guidance and, and really uh, the ability to have a relationship and how to have a relationship with you all is because of what you've done for us. I pray that we realize when we leave here, we are entering our mission field that you've given us. That, that it's, it's not just go back to day, normal life living, but it's time to get to work. It's time to leave our, our place of study, our church, where we can get equipped and learn, and then we go out there and use that. Lord, I pray that we, we be bold in, in being witnesses for you. I pray that we, we understand the, the importance of being a missionary 
in the places that you've put us in. I pray that you be with Pastor with this next hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.